0: Hello and welcome to IEEE, Soft Robotics podcaster. Uh, could you please introduce yourself?
1: My name is Roland Sigwart. I'm a professor in robotics, especially mobile robots moving around um, at ETH Zurich. Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks so much for joining us, uh, Professor Roland. So I would like to go first when you were a kid, if you remember. Have you ever saw robotics or ha- how do you think about the intelligent system? Do you have any memories about that when in childhood?
1: I have little memories uh, in childhood, but I was actually always building stuff, uh, little cable cars, and and um, I built a system which automatically opens my window mm. in the morning, and so wow. this is uh, not really robotics, uh, but mechatronics. And I think mm. this is something which w- always attracted me: the combination of mechanics and electronics. And of course, at this moment, it was not programming; it's it was somewhat uh, electronics and mechanics.
0: Mm-hmm. So if I ask you, what is the first robot you built in your career? And what is the thought or the feeling you had at this time, first this robot? So the first
1: robot where I was partially involved is actually probably a ping pong playing robot. So mm-hmm. we had a very fascinating project. I was not uh, deeply involved in the project, but I was partially involved at ETH Zurich. with the vision to play ping pong against humans with a robot.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: this is a robot which has to be extremely fast. and and dynamic. And uh, we were able to build it, even if it's more than 30 years ago. Um, But uh, it was more an issue at the end of perception so that we could really track the ball in the appropriate speed so that you know exactly when to hit the ball.
0: Mm -hmm. Great. So I'm curious to ask you about your definition of soft robotics. You have overwhelming experience in the field. So through this experience, how you would define a robot?
1: Yes. Yeah, so this is a, probably a difficult question because we would get answer from, even from robotics is quite different answers mm-hmm. for me, a robot is actually a system, which is really closing the loop from perception to action. And, uh, so it's a system, which has some sort of a control, um, and is in parallel, also able to handle at least some surprising situations. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that you can really handle situations you were not precisely pre pre-program, in worst case, probably only to be able to surely stop. But of course, real robots, I think, are robots which can deal with uh, very unstructured environment, in, which can understand situations and react accordingly to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. So what do you think are the most misconceptions you have witnessed uh, while working in the field, since you're more in, involved in robotics and artificial intelligence? What are the most misconceptions, maybe in the last decade, or you have witnessed now?
1: I don't know if it's a single misconception, but I think what robotics is about, is about very complex machines. And I think in the research, but also the society always dreams of these robots, which can do everything. And we were always carrying this dream and showing little pieces which uh, worked in the lab, but we're never able to work in the real world. I think the misconception is probably that it's not a single discipline. So for example, right now we have this hype that AI will solve all the issues and robots will become intelligent. But intelligence for a robot system, which can act in our daily environment, Mm -hmm. is not only a brain, but it's also different sensing, its tactility, its interaction uh, with humans. And all these elements are so complex to bring together. So I think the misconception is always that with a single um, progress in a specific field, you can probably show something interesting. But this will typically not make a big step in the entire complexity of the system.
0: Mm-hmm. So if I ask you, what do you think the biggest technological roadblocks that could face robotics? Maybe in coming five years, recently, something you think is really um, a technological rip-block.
1: I, th- I see probably two, two elements, which are, I think is the, the, the killer uh, technology and research we should really push forward. On one side, it's, it's on the more mechanical side. So we need tactility. We need, um, for example, robot hands, which can do much more fine movements than they can do today. Otherwise, we will be always limited to extremely specific tasks. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, if the robot should be able to really deal with complex unstructured environment in our daily professional, but also um, home environment, they have to understand. They have to understand situations. They have to understand intentions of humans or other robots. And this seems to be extremely complex. So I think there is very little uh, progress in, for example, tactility, but also in real understanding of situations. Understanding is not enough to, um, to understand that there is a, a, a cat or a dog in a picture. It's really understanding what does it mean if a dog is in your neighborhood? What does it mean if a door is open or closed? And all this is, I think, much more complex because they had multiple elements. So it's, it's not only a perception element, but it's also a model which has to be built behind. And I think this is uh, um, something which uh, is not around the corner, but once we can make good progress in this field, we will be able to open totally new do doors for application of robots.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's least a question because maybe starting with research or early stage researcher, may I ask what do you think the most important question that should be considered while doing the research for years and you highlighted a really interesting point. Where do you think this lies in Is just modeling or inspiring from human nature as well? How do you say, how you could answer this question for having a successful project or successful end goal for expectation, as you highlighted, really interesting point?
1: I think in general, um, research should take inspiration from whatever they, the people want to get inspiration. And I think we should really also be careful that, that we should not um, uh, lean on one side only to its applications or on the other side only to inspiration from biology. I think we should get the best from all. We should actually get inspiration from everything we learn, we see in our daily environment. I myself, I think I get a lot of in- uh, yeah, inspiration from my daily life. Mm-hmm. So to understand how humans do something and then try to to see, can we do this with a robot, which has uh, limited capabilities? What part is the critical part? And I think this uh, inspiration part is, uh, is dependent really from, from where people are coming from, um, where their background is coming from, where the environment they're living of. And I think it's perfectly okay because we need a lot of different ideas. We need a lot of different elements, which eventually will come together and solve uh, issues. For example, uh, there are people which want to do um, end-to-end learning with robots. I am mm-hmm. personally probably more of a model based uh, person where we think I think we should le- use learning as much as possible but in the der- right way. So if you can build a model of a robot, you should take first model as much as you can because this helps you to understand the system. This helps you actually to design also probably a, a better system but there are elements which you we know that it's nearly impossible to model. And mm. this is actually be, much better than we learn. There's a lot of uncertain situation, uncertain parts of a model, which eventually are probably can be learned But the basics of a physics model for dynamic model of robots, this can be described extremely precisely, mm-hmm. but all Additional effects. Imagine, for example, effect, aerodynamic effects, which are second-order effects um, with wind gusts and so on. This is extremely difficult to model. There probably robots should learn, but the basic concept of um, generating lift and drag forces. This is well known, and this we can actually directly model.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's a very interesting point, and um, I would like to ask about the modeling because you said that. If we expect a model and can capture dynamics of the robots and and the and the physics as well but it seems what we see already that maybe modeling is not appreciated and maybe not capturing the real physics happening to the robots and also is expensive in computation how do you see these trade-offs how we can have a models realistically speaking can help us for design and control and can really give us insights because what happens is some sounds tricky a little bit.
1: Yes, I, I see one uh, pretty issue, especially those at universities and, and education uh, environment. It's today very often much easier to just take a learning system, a deep network mm-hmm. and learn something. Then modeling, modeling is complex. Mathematically, it's very complex. You have to understand, you have to deep down, you have to really bring up all these equations to correct them and so on. Mm. And a lot of people prefer to go the fast way. And very often you can have very fast, a certain success, and then they're happy. But this is somewhat dangerous because um, uh, in a lot of situations, 80%, 90%, 95% is not enough. Robots, which are, the working in our daily environment which are working with us they have to be 100 percent safe more or less
2: mm-hmm. so
1: this last five uh, percent is very difficult and i think that fast track in robotics doesn't work we need to be very deep very serious about what we do and and combine the model with um, with some elements which we learn and additionally actually um, if you think for example you would like to a robot to learn walking now the basic walking with a quadruped robot with uh, four legs each leg has three degrees of freedom this you can model on a flat ground as soon as you have to walk in on a more complex ground it's more difficult to model and imagine now this uh, robot falls on his back and has mm. to get on feet again how can you actually find the best movement sequence of the legs so that you can get off on the legs again and there is one million different situations where the robot could end up after falling. Now mm-hmm. this can be learned. And this has been shown by a colleague of mine, young colleague, Marco Hutter, that this can be learned. But for learning this, you need first a model because mm-hmm. the learning cannot be done on a real robot. It has to be in simulation. So in simulation, you have to have a good model of the quadruped mm-hmm. and then actually bring it in randomly in. Very the situation, and then le- learn um, what is the best way to get on on legs again. Mm-hmm. So I think this interaction with good models and parts which have to be learned because it's too complex and uh, to describe is uh, the way to move forward.
0: Mm-hmm. I think this is a very brilliant point and I would like to ask about simulation here because I don't know what your thoughts about simulation to reality since we use simulation extensively in our work, but we try to force uh, the result to be convergent at some point. However, after that, maybe that the version happens and that's maybe issue. I don't know what's your thought about simulation and helping and design uh, robots in general.
1: Yes, we, we see that uh, also in our research, we are using more and more simulation mm-hmm. because simulation is getting better. You can actually simulate uh, complex systems, even on a laptop today. This was not possible 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago.
2: Uh,
1: But there is a lot of progress and it's actually interesting to see that in a lot of fields, you can actually train in simulation and then actually directly go on a real robot and it behaves pretty okay. There are still issues to solve, but um, that this transfer from simulation to real system helps a lot because you can be much faster and I think one extreme example is uh, if you think about autonomous cars which will eventually at one point really appear in our daily environment so each new car has to be somewhat approved by authorities now to approve it so how do you do this do you do a, a, a driving test I think this cannot be the same type of driving test with, with humans, because as humans, we know that if you test more like this, you expect that humans will be able to drive. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to have a lot of testing in simulation. And the simulations has to be in, in very realistic situations. And I think this is one way to go to approve um, um, new cars, which have probably an updated software so that they can be released on the, on the street.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if I ask you what are the most challenges you face or something maybe you are excited to work on in the coming years for robotics and AI research?
1: Of course, I personally was always excited also really designed the entire robot system. Mm. I think this is the beauty about robotics. You're touching from mechanical engineering, from design uh, to interaction, uh, sometimes also even fields uh, beyond uh, um engineering and computer science electrical engineering perception Mm -hmm. and I think this makes the robots challenging but also fascinating. I'm personally um, thinking that we should push what we have on robot systems today to more use for different applications so currently I'm extremely excited about the the work we are doing on we call this um, flying manipulation or the flying interaction. Mm Up to now, flying platforms are have, uh, probably this is the, the type of robots which has the, had the biggest success in the last 10 years. So you, there are millions of drones today which have a certain intelligence which you can, can consider robots because they know they can do a little bit of collision avoidance, they can really stabilize their flight automatically. But they have to fly in the free space. But um, there is a lot of applications which uh, where flying platforms would be extremely valuable if you can fly and touch the environment. Mm -hmm. And this is actually fascinating because the the flying platform is not generating very strong forces. It has a somewhat automatic uh, compliant interaction. It's a complex situation. You are also very limited by the calculation power you have on board, the sensor perception system you can carry on board. But we have been able, we have been able to show that you can do flying platforms where you need an appropriate design, which we call this omnidirectional flying platform, which can fly in all directions with all orientations, and then also generate forces in all directions in contact with the environment. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And this is um, some of these fields where I think control, design, perception, but also intelligence. We are also using some learning parts because it's very complex to model this, comes in a very nice way together and really can make a difference um, in the uh, two bits mm-hmm. applications and do with real use of robots.
0: Yeah. I'm curious to ask you, to which level do you think that robotics should be or must be intelligent? And realistically speaking, you highlighted an important point, but if you think with yourself, I, re- I want to reach this level of intelligent robotics, or that that level that robots should reach. How you would see this uh, intelligence in in the robot for coming years, five years, ten years? How you see it?
1: Yeah. So this is a very uh, interesting question. Also, where probably very different people have really different views. Mm-hmm. For me, a robot is a machine which has a certain task, or we we should probably be able to fulfill a certain task. And so therefore, I think intelligence is not the driving factor, but the task will define what type of intelligent robots need. Now, today in the machine intelligence, still called machine intelligence or artificial intelligence. I think there is a huge difference between artificial intelligence and human intelligence. Mm. Now, human intelligence, for a lot of tasks, the robot doesn't need the full human intelligence um, and probably what robot needs is, is something which a lot of people, which even would not call intelligence today, because this tactile interaction is a, an important part of intelligence for certain tasks, which brings really the intelligent decision-making and feedback loops from the tactile sensors to a network for example which can analyze what uh, where the, the contact point is up to an action. Yeah. And I think intelligence is is for me defined more towards with the the skills and tasks you want to learn and I think there is also no sharp difference between classical control and neural networks because in principle you do you what you're doing is always somewhat um, optimizing a feedback loop, you have an input, which is the current situation and all what you perceive, and you would like to get the best action out of this input, mm-hmm. and also the history of inputs.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: this can be done in simple cases with, with direct force control, for example, in more complex cases, you have to analyze the whole situation, but it's still the same thing. And in, in principle, what we are doing at the end is uh, some sort of optimi- optimization from input to output. What is the best action based on this given input and state and history we know. And uh, for this optimization, um, deep learning can uh, do a, a task, but uh, sometimes it's very, quite different optimization cycle. Sometimes it's a very simple control law, which
0: can do the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very interesting, but I would like to ask you maybe this, maybe someone could argue about uh, like, for example, artificial general intelligence, where we have to reach human level intelligence. And you say we have to discern between human and machine intelligence. Do you think it helps to some one day we can have um, intelligence as human being as we see some strides of we increase the computation power? then we have some intelligence and other argue that's not intelligence while increasing the computation power for like deep learning and just, we have multi-layers. How we would see this argument?
1: I think today or and I assume that will be, it will be the same thing also in 10 and 15, 20 years is, um, you can actually compare intelligence between humans and machines only on somewhat restricted tasks. So of course it started with chess playing. I think everybody uh, agrees that people which are world champion chess playing, they are pretty intelligent. But they're intelligent in some specific area in chess playing. And then the computer ha- has been able to show that it can do it better, the same as Go. Now we have a lot of tasks we, we are doing which extremely depend on our physiology, mm-hmm. our phys- physical body. So the robot can actually never get the same intelligence in this direction, in this type of tasks, is if the robot has not also the same way to perceive and tactile manipulate the environment. So um, it's it's very difficult. And I think we should always define which task or which type of task um, we are speaking about, and then we can compare human and machine intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody agrees that computers are much more intelligent in handling big numbers. They can much faster calculate, analyze data and so on. This is a part of intelligence, which is also an important part. This is where computers are better today. And personally, I hope that we will use more and more this artificial intelligence really for these tasks, which are actually not so interesting for us. And where computers are good, which we already did up to now, and and I assume it will continue like this.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then there will be a lot of fields where humans and robots and or computers, artificial, artificial intelligence, should work together. Medicine, mm-hmm. where you have to analyze uh, medical images to find tumor cells or whatever. So there, I think you need both. You need computers which can much faster access on millions of samples and can learn from this, but the medical doctor has the link to the human, which is in, in discussion, and mm-hmm. can actually then also give his, his advice to it together. And as a team, we can be much stronger.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So I'm curious to ask you how do you see the trade-off between the models we we propose, for example, for explaining the understanding system and the data. And why I'm asking this question, because we see like Starsky silver driving uh, uh, company fall uh, recently because of the expensive data set collecting. So how do you see this trade-off between the model we have and the data we have to collect? And also do you think in robotics, we have to trust black box model if we go to-
1: of course, um, there is this, this trade-off which um, there is different ways how to get along with them. Um, one thing we discussed before, simulations, of course, simulations, um, uh, 3D um, rendering of situations, and environments helps a lot to actually feed the the, the learning systems with a lot of uh, data, which are close to realistic. So I think there is a, a trade-off where we, we have to, on one side, be able to generate appropriate data
2: mm-hmm. and
1: not too many because otherwise it will never work. And we have to, on the other side, also um, understand more what type of network, what type of deep learning allows really f- to learn from much fewer data.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Humans, at least in principle, it should be feasible. Humans show that we can do this. If you have a kid which is uh, five years old, you show this kid the first time in her life or his life uh, a giraffe on an image, mm-hmm. on a picture. And then there will be a, a giraffe um, in nature, there will be a giraffe which is uh, painted from an artist. These kids, after one, one example, they typically know what a giraffe is. So um, this, I think nobody knows how to do this today with uh, the networks, with uh, learning uh, deep uh, networks. But um, I assume that we'll make progress on this. Uh, but this is, I think, linked with really this understanding I mentioned before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because yeah. a giraffe is, uh, is not only an appearance for a kid. It automatically makes a link with... Four legs with something which can move, which is probably similar to an uh, to a uh, another animal um, it it has a typical environment, and I think all this understanding um, which uh, computers today cannot do is an important element to make fast progress so that computers can much learn much faster with much less data
0: yeah, I agree with you. So since you are a strong promoter for entrepreneurship and also you also have a leading position in the board directories for some companies, I'm curious to ask you what is the biggest discrepancy between engineering problems in autonomy or robotics and work uh, being done in academia and research group?
1: I personally think it's not such a huge difference, but um, Mm. of course a company is has to be motivated it has to be driven by the applications and by products they can hope, hopefully sell and uh, researcher is motivated or inspired by some challenges uh, some vision some ideas whatever and by colleagues but at the end both are addressing extremely complex challenges in technology
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so uh, for robotics company, at least deep tech companies in robotics, you need also outstanding people, which could also be outstanding researchers, but they have probably now decided to go a little bit more towards applying their knowledge and their potential towards doing something real. Mm -hmm. On the other side, of course, it's, it's probably a little bit different that in the industry at one point, you have to make it 100% reliable, Mm -hmm. or close to 100%. At universities, we have the the freedom to do some tests, some experiments. We show that it principle, would work. We have a proof of concept. But we know that it's still probably only 85%, 90% in the cases where it works. And sometimes it doesn't work. We don't know why. And uh, we can stop there and we go for the next, a little bit more radical Mm -hmm. idea. So and this, you have to, to change. And sometimes I also have the feeling that robotics research also should sometimes go a little bit further, because this is the reason why I'm, I'm always supporting my people which want to also go really to do a product happen. Because we did a lot of promises about robotics. It's somewhat science fiction, which generated a lot of uh, ideas in the society also what robots can do then sometimes we have these beautiful YouTube videos which show a robot cleaning up a kitchen or making a meal. And we all know that this is somewhat a lot of fake. Some elements of -hmm. course are in somewhat in a progress where they can do some elements, but we are so far from this and we have to be careful about not making too much promises um, what the robots can do. I had recently now an industry person which is actually a technology person Mm -hmm. who had from a YouTube video um, with a robot or multiple flying robots which do some collaborative work came up with the ideas is it possible that we can actually use this robot in the laundry and actually do um, maneuver and and, uh, move tissues around and stuff like this which is far from being reality. But the video showed somewhat that it might be possible because it was of course nice set up and it showed a small step in a proof of concepts towards a certain direction.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting point. I would like to ask you, you think this kind of high because of funding issue that you have to get money for funding your project or your industry, new industry lines. Why does this happen and how we can find that?
1: yeah so it's it's probably first of all and this is i think extremely good and research should dream researchers should dream of something which is probably 50 years down the road Mm. and be cared by this dream but once they actually start to um, propose real application real use of this they have to be more serious about what is feasible and what not and then actually also probably be willing to say okay now what is today feasible is not what I've shown as my dream, but a small subsection of this. And I think it's, it's um, a little bit backfiring in a lot of countries that there was a lot of investment in robotics and a lot of promises. promises.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, probably the most, the most extreme cases is, is all these human robots, which started in Japan, which none of them is, is today doing anything useful. But we, as a research, we knew that this is so complex. We are so far from using this. But in a way, this was somewhat this enthusiasm of the researchers, which is in principle good, which pushed them sometimes probably a little bit too far, and then all of a sudden the industry or society is disappointed that they spend a lot of money in this. They have seen this wonderful videos on YouTube, videos on on human robots, but there is no way that they can be used for anything useful today and also the next 10, 15 years.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. So I'm curious to ask you, since we have witnessed um, many successful spin-offs in Switzerland about startup or maybe company later, why it's hard for robotics company or startup to make success as software company, for example? And do you think also maybe demographic regions or politics play or contribute in the success uh, journey of the startup?
1: I think, of course, the the regions and the culture makes a a difference. Some some technology are probably better in some regions. I'm personally convinced that uh, Switzerland, but uh, also other countries in Europe, are pretty good in in building complex entire system, mm. which includes mechanical, electrical, sensing, and computer and, in, and informatics. This is a special type of system. What of course is is critical that robo- robotics is not comparable with software. Software has two elements. It's much less complex because it's, it's not physically interacting. So, and the second thing is that a lot of the software doesn't need 100% reliability Mm. Um, say a a simple example where also deep learning is probably doing a wonderful job if if my computer is able to analyze my my all my pictures and it will find all my uh, pictures from my family I know that sometimes it doesn't work but in most cases it works and it makes exciting it's actually interesting Mm -hmm. but in a lot of real application in production line and so on you need nearly 100% success rate and on one side so the software has to be even much more reliable than most other elements um even uh, the computer sometimes they they actually crash uh, a car which is driving around an autonomous car cannot all of a sudden crash mm. because this can be a disaster Computer crash, at least I, my laptop is still from time to time crashing. Not Zoom was recently crashing. Most often works wonderful and it's not an issue. If I've had 100 video sessions and one crashes, I can live with this. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's much more complex with this fi- system, which are physically interacting because they're also more dangerous. And that's, I think the reason why we have in robotics, mm-hmm. a quite different dynamics. You cannot expect that you start with a robotics company and within five years, you have a very successful business. Business, This you can do with, if you develop a wonderful app or WhatsApp or whatever, we have a lot of these examples, mm-hmm. this can actually flow extremely fast. And then of course, it can also easily scale because all of a sudden everybody's using it. Robots, complex, they cannot so fast scale and there are really all the mechanics you have also produce all this. So mm-hmm. it, it's really not comparable, and you need another characteristics, and, and you need other people which are willing to go for a long run, or really going for 10, 15 years until it is a success.
0: Mm-hmm. I would like to ask you a statement about any significant session should be or shouldn't delegated to a machine. Do you agree with that? Uh, which one to be or against, and why?
1: Can you repeat? I didn't get
0: any, significant, yeah, any significant decision should be or shouldn't delegated to a machine. Do you agree with which statement do you agree and why?
1: I think there is neither nor. I think mm-hmm. we should use machines as much as possible to take better decisions. And in a way, I think uh, it would be stupid not to use them. But in very important decisions for society, and we have now with with coronavirus,
2: yeah. a
1: lot of these, exactly these issues. Because you have to first get the best facts you can get today. And there, machine intelligence can help you more and more. But then you still have to decide, you have to decide how long can you survive a lockdown. Because uh, probably then everybody will be healthy. but. Uh, economy will collapse and people will starve and die because of hunger.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: there is a, a trade-off which a machine cannot do because it's a machine. These humans have to do. Uh, but it's, it's uh, I think it's important and I hope people understand more and more. This is the same for robotics, but especially for artificial intelligence. This is a new tool, which can be a wonderful tool if well util- utilized. But we still not should not forget to think ourselves and use and learn how to use best this tool. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So if I ask you, what is the most impressive uh, robotics or AI system you have witnessed in your experience?
1: The the most impressive. Impressive. Yeah. Of course i think because probably i'm a mechanical engineer i think um, i'm extremely impressed with everything which is is walking walking human aid, walking uh, water pad this is uh, robots like robots from boston dynamics but uh, also the honda uh, human robot but also our own robot any animal uh, from eth because they combine a lot of different elements. So they, they have to be designed very nicely so that they can really fulfill their task, mechanical design, and they need a, the optimal way of controlling the motors. They have to perceive the environment. So it's it's really the whole system which comes together. And I think this is the type of, of um, robots I admire the most because it's probably the, the most complex in a, in a systems thinking way. But of course there is also a lot of wonderful work where people uh, really show that they they can learn from the environment i think uh, there is a lot of other elements but most of them are a little bit more focused which is also impressive but it's a little bit um, less impressive for me because it's Hmm. not as a complex system
0: and do you have any robots at your home
1: very little. So I'm I'm using a drone for sometimes to take uh, nice images. Mm. Um, we have a robot, which is clean, one of the simple uh, robots, iRobot. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, I think there is not much more. So it's uh, most robots are not able to do the task mm. we, we would like the robots to do at home. And uh, when I present to the public, uh, I typically show which are the most difficult tasks you can imagine for a robot. Mm -hmm. And I always say, this is what you should make you think about that robots are better in other things than humans. Robots, I think, one of the last thing robots will do is really taking care of your home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cleaning the kitchen, cleaning, cooking, uh, cleaning the, the table, bringing stuff, washing your clothes. I think it would be wonderful to have a robot which is doing everything there. But mm-hmm. it's extremely complex. Now, for us humans, it's probably difficult to understand that this is complex because this is not the work where you need a lot of education. So you, uh, you can ask your kids when they are starting with school that they help you to clean the table and put the stuff in the, the dishwasher. It doesn't seem very complex to us, but mm-hmm. it's complex for robots. Because it's, it's this type of skill, skills where we are good at. Because we have tactility, we have our hands, which can really grab very different objects. We can understand situations. We can learn extremely fast different objects and we will not put the, the, the hearing aid of the grandmam into the, the dishwasher. Robots will probably will do this. Eventually robots will get better, but the mechanics you should not underestimate. We have hundreds mm. of of muscles and elements in our body to do all this movement. And probably another example I typically say, everybody has seen videos from robots, which are built by uh, cars, which are built by robots and their robots are wonderful because they are much more precise in uh, spot welding and everything. They humans cannot do it so precisely and not 24 hours a day. But I think none of us has ever seen a robot fixing a car. Mm. because this is uh, so much diff- more difficult. It's also from a movement and tactility m- element much more difficult because you have to grab into the motor, uh, in the uh, hood and, and, and access screws, which is very difficult to access. I think there is no way that robots within the next 10 or 15, 20 years will fix cars. A part, if we build cars so they be replace parts, this could be feasible. But really fixing how we fix cars today is is infeasible.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. So we are closing to the end and I have three questions for you. Do you think ego is important for the researcher?
1: Yes, I think ego is... We should um, be convinced that we can do a difference. Mm. Um, But the ego should be driven really towards excellence, towards new visions and new um, progress in research and not towards other people.
0: Mm -hmm. And what was the best advice was given to you and was likely changing for you in your career, personal life you would like to share?
1: Actually, something I remember, which was in the beginning when I started as a young professor at EPFL about uh, Mm. 25 years ago there the person in charge of uh, giving me the budget for the startup fund yeah he told i'm giving you this this money um you can think this with like investing in a company or in a in an adventure and i'm giving you because i'm trusting you that you can do something out of it and i want you to do something out of it and grow with it and i think this is uh, is what i'm typically like and uh, and is something which i'm trying also to give to my collaborators even to my students i offer them a lot a lot of freedom Mm -hmm. also financial support if i see that they're in the driving seat and they do something out of it and i think this is the best driver for for making progress that you give people a lot of freedom you get them give them the means but you Mm -hmm. have also to they have also delivered so you have to select the, the people which can deliver.
0: That's wonderful. And what is the most inspiring book you have ever read?
1: Oh, this is a, this is a difficult question <laughs> because I don't read a lot of books. Unfortunately, I have not uh, too much time on this, but um, what typically I like books, which really is about society, how society interacts, how they raise, for example, kids, how they, they help each other. And there mm-hmm. is uh, uh, a book which I think in English it would be probably something like the, this: "In Search of Happiness," mm-hmm. about uh, a group of people living really isolated or original or originals from in South um, America, yeah. which had really a, extremely different way how they interacted. For example, what was ima- amazing that kids never cried because they. Had a different way how they interact with with each other and with with their parents. They had a, a total different way, and sometimes I think it's in, in, interesting and probably important to get inspiration from different cultures, from different way how to interact. Because sometimes we are probably losing a little bit the feeling on yeah. how we should interact and how what is important in our life
0: mm-hmm. and
1: in the interaction with other people.
0: Sounds interesting. Yeah. And the last question, in the next 100 years, what is the thing you wish humanity can do?
1: I hope we will be able to really be careful with our planet so that we can still live on our planet in 100 years, in in peaceful, with enough food for everyone.
2: Mm.
1: And I hope that robotics can also contribute something in this direction. I think we need um, more sustainable production of food in yeah. the field, robots can contribute to this. Otherwise, I think we will not be able to survive with this amount of people on Earth.
0: Yeah, and that's important. And I would like to see if you have any final words to the robotic community. You would like to say?
1: Yeah, I think it's what what I'm excited about. I have probably been extremely lucky in my life because mm. I uh, selected the right a field which is very large, where you can learn a lot, yeah. robotics is really touching at so many different fields. And uh, sometimes I say I had the chance in my life up to now to continue being a kid, exploring, getting new ideas, mm-hmm. and then actually, actually implement these ideas with a lot of help of all these young people, which are excited, right, which are outstanding, which are much better than, than I am in bringing this technology forward for the good of the society.
0: Thanks so much. I really enjoyed this discussion. Thanks so much for your time. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure to speak
2: with you.